So, okay, so we are going to try to give you as much as we can. Marcus, don't start the clock yet. <laughs> don't start the clock yet. Yeah, we, we got need, like we, we need, need like two. three minute buffer. Okay, three minute buffer. Okay, awesome. Um, wow. So we're going to come to you all today talking specifically about covenant and serving one another in relationships, specifically the marriage relationship. Mm-hmm. But you all know that if you are not married yet we're gonna still set you up for success. Amen, Amen. right? Right, right. Um, Covenant is important to God. And we know that he responds to covenant. And we absolutely are just blessed to be in these type of environments where we can be free, where the spirit of God is, and where the Holy Spirit is. And so you being here today, you have already won. Right? There's many people who will say, you know what, I'm good in my relationships. I'm good. I, I already know what I need to know. Um, we host this marriage retreat, and we always get people who say, girl, I've been married longer than you've been alive. I'm good. Right? And then a few months later, then they were wanting counseling with us. And we're like, look, you could have just went to the marriage retreat, got a one-stop shop, and got you know, what you needed. But you can't get arrogant when it comes to learning new things and learning the things of God, right? And continuing to add information into your relationship. So we've been married for almost 20 years. I get excited about that. Um, We'll be celebrating 20 years, not till June. So, I mean, I'm extra excited because that's still a couple of months away. Um, We never go around really saying that we are a blended family, but um, when we got married, he had a four-year-old son. I had a five-year-old son. Mm -hmm. And, wow, they kind of helped bring us together a little bit. They were at Children's Church, so we met at church which is always a good, good thing, right? It's not necessarily, <laughs> it's not necessarily uh, everything, but it's a good thing to have that foundation. You know that one another is at least coming and receiving the word. So he um, had his, his son, I have my son, and they were in kids' church together all the time. We were at church all the time. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I think we had like a birthday party or something. So the boys just were constantly together. And then him and I, we were in leadership roles there um, as singles. And um, he just couldn't stop looking at me. Couldn't stop? Me I mean. Give me kids. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's the short version, right? So after we got married, we, we got married, then the boys probably were like five and six years old. And then we um, started having more babies, right? Yay. Yay. The word says to be fruitful and multiply. And that's exactly what we were doing. Mm -hmm. So we have a 17-year-old, Siobhan Jr., who will be 18 soon. And then we have a daughter who is 16 and a half. And both of them actually help us in ministry um, when it comes to like our different events. Um, Our daughter dances. When she was young, she was teaching the word. I had her on like YouTube. She wanted to teach, so we put her on YouTube, was teaching the word. Um, Our Otis too, um, which you all are familiar with, Derek and Ramon. So Derek, he moved out to Arizona and he's doing well out there. Ramon is still in Ohio and we're trying to get him to Arizona. So all the babies can be in Arizona. Mm -hmm. Now, Derek, the Otis is 27, he's still a baby. That boy is 26 or 27 years old. <laughs> that is not a baby. Okay. And then Ramon is 26. Ramon <laughs> is still a baby, so he needs to come to Arizona. Yes. But, okay, so um, in, in these moments, you won't be able to get everything in this weekend. But what the speakers are really gonna try to do is endeavor for you to take some information and then keep digging, right? Keep doing some more research on your own. And, um, you know, these type of moments really spur you on to say, hmm, 
I want to learn more about that. I want to dig into the word more about this specifically. So that's what we are endeavoring to have you to do. You might want to do some research. If you like podcasts, there are some great podcasts out there. Um, but it also could spur you on to say, hey, I want to come attend the First Comes Love Marriage Retreat in Phoenix, Arizona. Yes, Uh-oh. yes, Uh-oh. yes. Amen. Amen. Now, did y'all think that we were going to forget to pray? No. Nope. We're about to pray right now. Or honor. Hallelujah. So, but first of all, we do want to honor Pastors Keith and Melanie Bradley. Thank you very much for this opportunity to be able to serve on your platform. We really appreciate Mm -hmm. it. We love you and thank you. Yes. Amen. I also want to just give honor to my senior pastors, Pastor Sean and Erica Moore. Yes. We appreciate y'all. Yes. All right. So let us pray. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to come before your presence, Lord, here at this relationship boot camp, God, to be able to talk about winning together, Lord. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your peace. Lord, Lakeisha and I decrease. We get out of the way, God. We thank you for all of the preparation that we have done. But, God, you have your way. Holy Spirit, you have your way. It's not about us. We may have prepared something, but, Holy Spirit, you know in in what everyone needs here in the house and even online. And so we thank you for it. Show out this morning. Let us see something amazing yes. because we are in great expectation for what you can do. Mm-hmm. And so we give you glory. We give you honor and praise. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Yes. So as Lakeisha was just sharing with you all, we are coming upon 20 years of marriage. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. That's, that's, that's pretty phenomenal. We're both excited. That's pretty phenomenal. And so what we've been doing as we've been uh, coming into this season of knowing that we've been married almost 20 years now, the Lord has been having Lakeisha and I be very introspective on the last 20 years, last 19 years at this point, to try and see what are the things that we have done well. What are the things that we've not done so well? And what are some areas that we can grow and develop in? Right? So hallelujah. And so in that reflection, what I noticed about myself, because I'm doing self, self reflection, Mm -hmm. as Lakeisha does self reflection. But the thing that I noticed about myself is I've always been challenged with being honest with how I felt about certain things. Because God has just, I'm not, God didn't make me this way. Well, I won't say God didn't make me this way, but I'm, I'm a peacemaker. So I just want everything to be at peace. When there's chaos, peace. In the name of Jesus, peace. But at the expense of lying. Because I'm not being honest with Lakeisha to tell her how I really feel because I don't want to hurt her feelings. I, I, don't, I don't want her to feel a certain way. And that's not okay. That's, that's, that's not okay. Because what happens is what we do when we are lying to ourselves, we actually are producing the seed of anger. Wow. If I'm not being honest with my wife and, and I'm just over in a corner like, yeah, but it's okay. I'm going to keep stuffing. I believe Pastor Bradley talked about that, about stuffing. Stuff, stuff, stuff. I'm going to just stuff it until I feel that it's just going to eventually disappear. Guess what? It's not going to disappear because when you stuff, it's still there. That stuffing is still there. And then you try and put other things on top of it like, oh, let's go out to dinner. Hey, can we be intimate tonight? Can we, can we do this? Can we go into a family outing? But ultimately, what's going on is in the back of my mind, I'm still angry about something that Lakeisha did or that I didn't like. And so what did Pastor Bradley say about being the firecracker versus the volcano? I could be that volcano as well. And it's like stuffing, stuffing, stuffing to the point where it's like, whoosh. 
And, I, and she, Lakeisha looking at me like, man, you crazy. What, what's going on with you? It's because I was stuffing, stuffing everything, you know? And so, but then as, as, I, as I began to really look at, again, in that reflection part, God took me back to the basics. He took me back to the basics. And the basics is found, for me, it was in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. This is the New Living Translation. So it says, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. What the Lord wanted me to focus on is that the two are united into one. So you lying to yourself, not being real, doesn't allow for unity to be able to be produced. So you're hindering the plan of God when you're not being honest. Not only that, though, not only do we when we hinder the plan of God, the Bible says over in James. Well, OK, let me let me reverse. Yeah, yeah. OK. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Because of that, because of me being stubborn, because of me not wanting to do what, what is necessary with just being honest, just being real, having the right timing, not saying something every single time that I feel something, just all these different things that we've been learning this week, right? When not being honest and anger is being produced in me, you don't realize this, but you're actually op creating an open door for evil to be able to enter into your marriage. Prove that with scripture. Absolutely, I will. So in James chapter 3, verse 16, New Living Translation again, it says, For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Another translation says, Where there is envy and strife, anger, bitterness, there is also every evil work. So don't be the doorway, husbands or wives. And this is, for, you know, even if you're not married, for the singles, understand this, even in relationships. Yeah. Because you can be bitter. You can be angry. Angry. But wherever, wherever, Jesus, the Bible says this, wherever there is envy and strife, there is, there is every evil work. Is. Another scripture is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 through 27. It says, and don't let sin, don't, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We're supposed to have kingdom marriages. We're supposed to have kingdom relationships. But a lot of times, our flesh and us coddling our flesh man creates opportunities for the kingdom of darkness to be able to come into your relationships and into your marriage. Let's make a choice. Yeah. Hallelujah. So after this light came on for me, let's get to some, some good stuff. After this light came on for me and I realized what I was allowing to happen because, man, it's like when, that, when the frustration comes, it seems like I would be frustrated about everything. There was nothing my wife could do because of stuffing that would make it better. It was all up to me. So then we went, the Lord took me over to Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 through 14. And it says there, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Serve one another in love. So this morning, as Lakeisha had stated, we're going to be talking about, as we're winning together, how to serve one another 
in our marriages. Yeah. And the beautiful thing about serving one another in your relationships, specifically your marriage, is it's part of how God created you. Like, we don't have to be frustrated and feeling like we have another to-do list. Okay, God, you've called me to do this list here, and now you put this person in my life, and now I have to figure out all of the things that they like and don't like, and it feels like it can be a to-do list and like a project, Mm -hmm. right? And nobody wants to feel like a project. But when God created us, he gave us these gender roles. Somebody say gender roles. Gender roles. roles. And when we are walking out our gender roles, we actually are serving our spouse. We're serving one another. So I'm going to give you, I'm going to start with the men first, okay? And then later on, then we'll go to the women. I want to preface that because I'm coming in hot with the men, toward the men, all right? So roles of a biblical husband. Say biblical husband. Biblical husband. Okay? Now these are ways for you to serve your wife and single women, Listen, if you are, if you have a checklist of, well, I want my man to have this, this, and this, and look like this, I guarantee you are going to want to take notes because these are biblical roles that you would want to have when you're looking for a mate or when you're waiting on your mate. First one is leader. Mm. Men of God, you are leaders. 1 Corinthians 11.3. But I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Man of God, leadership means you initiate things. You pursue God a lot of times first. You're proactive. Second one, laborer, a biblical, your gender role. We're talking about gender roles, how God has made you. He has called you to be a laborer. Genesis 2, 15. The Lord God then took the man and settled him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate. Say cultivate. Cultivate and care for it. Mm -hmm. Cultivating is working, okay? Cultivate, that's labor. First Timothy 5.8. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Jesus. So although I'm called to the mountain of family, I also am called to the mountain of government. And boy, oh boy, y'all pray for me. In that, though, there's lots of history. So when I went to college, I went to college to be um, a lawyer and um, studied political science. That was my major. And I am like, Sometimes when it comes to information and research, I probably do a little too much of it. But in the 1950s, so this is a long time ago, one out of 50 men didn't want to work, okay? One out of 50 were like, no, I'm not going to work. Now, somebody say now. Now. It's one out of nine. These are capable, healthy, not veterans, not men who are... um, dealing with uh, being disabled, one out of nine men say, I ain't working. Mm. Lazy. I'm not going to work. (laughs) But yet, God has called them, God has called you to be a laborer. And I I really think that, um, that it's a pandemic that as many men that are um, not interested in working. That's a pandemic. Yeah. Um, If we look at Jesus' life, he worked. 
He worked almost all, all of his adult life. He worked. He worked. So you might say, Lakeisha, I'm called to be a minister. I'm called to the things of God. Mm. Like, I'm evangelist, I'm preaching, teaching, I'm traveling, work. Work. <laughs> so I know that it can be a little difficult for men to multitask, right? But the word says that if anyone does not provide for his own and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than the unbeliever. If you have a family, that is clear instructions that you're called to take care of your family. Yeah. So you can do ministry. You can start the church. You can evangelize. You can do all of the things. But you are called to labor. Number three, loyal. Say loyal. loyal. Matthew 5.28. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So again, this is the list of the biblical ways, your gender role, man of God, and how you are just showing up in your gender role and how you automatically serve your spouse, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. By being loyal. Doing a little bit of research, 20% of men cheat. I know no men in here. 20% of men cheat, and then men are 54% more to cheat. This is just a general statistic. So, men, sometimes I realize that you're not the initiator, right? but you can stop the flirtation. You can set up boundaries in your life. You can set up the boundaries for your marriage. Here's one, you're like, Lakeisha, how, how? I work with this woman and now we're calling each other. That's my work husband, that's my work wife. You know, we're doing all of the things. We go to lunch together. Actually now we're traveling together because we're these big salespeople who have to do mm -hmm. all of these things. And so now we're traveling out of, you know, the state, out of the city and mm -hmm. we have all of this stuff that we're doing. Mm -hmm. And I'm a laborer, so I'm working. Okay. <laughs> Don't spend a long time and open up your personal life to anyone that you don't want to make a bond with. That's how we can just settle that, right? If you are wanting to make a bond with the opposite sex, then you share your personal life. But if you're not trying to set up and have a bond with them, don't share your personal life. Even being a, a minister, a pastor. I mean, what we have set up is you, like people were in his inbox, y'all. Jesus. Mm. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> in, in the man's inbox, pray for me. I need a job. Pray, do this, do that. Pray. And I'm like, I'm, I'm his whole wife yeah. right here. Like you can at least ask me. I can pray with you, right? So what he has done to set up the boundary is, hey, babe, um, Susie, just inbox me. Let's get with her. She need prayer. That's how we do it. Right? For real. I mean, you set up the boundaries before something takes place. Because you might be thinking, nah, I ain't, I ain't even attracted to her. She is not even my type. Mm. I wish I would. I am not at all about to be thinking about that woman. Y'all get in an argument. Your wife is fussing because, maybe, I, what, 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 do I, what was I fussing about? Mm. Yeah. Okay. But he, look, 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 look at him. Okay. Money. Let's say money. Let's say money. Let's say money. I don't, I don't fuss about, I don't fuss about money, but I'm going to um, say money. You fussing about money, right? And uh, maybe you started, man of God, working overtime and all of that. And um, now you have a young lady at the job who is like, 
man, Mike, what's going on? Like, what's, what's happening? And you, you upset, because it keeps happening where your wife is fussing about money. So you're like, man, you know, I, I be up in here all the time working, and my wife still ain't satisfied. Here, here's the woman. Oh my gosh, that's horrible. Man. <laughs> Let's go to lunch because I know you just need you just need some food. You need to probably get a good healthy salad. <laughs> um, you need some coffee. I mean, right? And it's Come just on. this whole mess that is created because we did not set up the right, the proper boundaries, right? So men, you can stop the flirtation. Right? I, I know that you are not the ones that are always initiating it and your statistics are showing very high. I know that it's not always your fault. I know it. But initiating the stop is your responsibility. Make it stop. Learner. You are called to be a learner. You are a learner. In your gender role as just being a man of God, you are a learner. Mm -hmm. First Peter 3, 7. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. Men of God, if you do not fulfill the petition of your wife, that scripture is saying that your prayers can be hindered. We are co-heirs together, right? And it does say in that scripture that the wife is the weaker vessel. So what that tells me is he's weak. It's mm. good. We're both weak. It's good. It's good. But I'm weaker. That's mm. good. Right? Typically, that means in carrying weight. That's what we know it as. But in this context here, weaker has to do with highly valued material. We have some china at home, and we, we barely eat off of those plates because they are expensive. They, I don't want them to break. And that's that gentleness, that's that mindset that men, if you relate to, then you would get an understanding about how to move with us, how to be in relationship with us. You have a greater responsibility to understand us. Mm. You have a greater responsibility Right? Dwell with understanding. Dwell in understanding with your wife means two things. I'm going to make it really easy. If you know what bothers her, don't do it. If you know what she likes, do it. Okay, last one. A biblical husband is a lover. Somebody say lover. lover. Yes, yes. <laughs> Ephesians 5.25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Ephesians 5.28, so just a couple more verses down. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. Colossians 3.19, Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward her. When you are showing love, men of God, if it doesn't involve giving, okay, and I'm not talking about finances at all. If it doesn't involve giving, it is not biblical love. It's quiet. <laughs> it's not biblical love. God so loved the world that he, gave. that he gave. So giving could look like 
her climaxing first, moving on. You doing extra things around the house, okay? Spending time with her, asking her some general questions. Man, we just want you to, ask, come on husbands, just, baby, how you doing? How, what, what, what you need, how can I help you? This morning he was like, how can I help you? And I, it wasn't because I was going slow. No, he was doing good. Yep, I was doing good, and he was just like, how, how can I help you? Just pause for a second and just ask some simple questions. Mm -hmm. That's it. So basically, we, we want to feel loved. We do. Um, there's the this, there's this scripture, um, his mercies are new every morning, right? I don't know where that's at. I don't know. Okay, his mercies are new. Pastor are Bradley knows, though. Pastor, you know where it's at? <laughs> his no okay. Oh, okay. Well. All right, okay, praise God. Well. What I like to compare that to is, honey, re remind me. Sometimes, you know, our, the reminder of that you love us um, can evaporate. <laughs> it can. So we just need to be reminded. Just like his mercies are new every morning, I want to be reminded every morning. Amen. 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 That, you, that you love me, that you're thinking about me. I got you. I got you. Yeah. Every day. Thank you. Bam. Thank you. So, so, so my, you know, my wife is sharing about the roles, the roles of the husband and, you know, what we can do at times. Those roles. So, so I'm going to go back over the roles really quick. And it was learner, or no, it was lover, loyal, leader, and labor. Absolutely. <laughs> But the one that she, she did hit on was a learner. And so Lakeisha really highlighted being a learner. Yeah. Um, and, and so when, when that's one that we can really skip over. But that is the very one that the Lord, when we're talking about serving our spouse, what we want to do is if we understand our spouse, then we can serve that which we understand. Yeah, yeah. So we want to focus on the learning part. And this is not just for husbands. This goes for wives as well. Because what you don't understand, you abuse. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so a lot of people think that abuse is just verbal. Abuse is just physical. No. The definition for abuse is the misuse of a thing. If I use the screwdriver to nail a, to put a nail in something, and then I try to use a hammer to unscrew something, you're abusing the purpose of that. Yeah. It actually has a perfect fit for what it was created for. Wow. So that's what we need to understand. When we're trying to understand our spouse, we need to understand what God made them for. My mm -hmm. goodness, yeah. if you can understand, like, I get it, mm -hmm. and then you start to serve that, you won. Yeah. Yep. You win. Mm -hmm. we, all, we, we agree with that. Yes. You, will, you would win. Yes. Yes. My goodness, if you, if you understand, if you can understand your children, let's go to relationships. Just talk about relationship week, boot camp. If you understand your children, because they're all uniquely designed, every single one of them, all they, though they came from both of the same parents, but God has a way of making them all different. Mm -hmm. The way you operate and spend time with one is not the same way you would operate and spend time with the other, and not the same way you would operate and spend time with the other. If you got six kids, keep going down the line. Mm -hmm. All of them are different. You need to understand yeah. all six of your children differently and how uniquely they have been wired. And you start to serve that. Then you fill up their love tank. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. So that is our responsibility, husband and wife. And I'm about to show you for the husbands how it's our responsibility. And I'll show you for the wives how it's our responsibility. But see, here's the thing. The Bible says this. It says that in Psalms chapter 139, 13 through 14, it says, you, 
made all, and this is the New Living, New Living Translation, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. If that was Lakeisha reading that scripture, if she reads that scripture, that's what the Lord is saying to her. That is her song. That is her praise to her father. How well she knows because she is fearfully and wonderfully made. So guess what my responsibility is? I need to understand how she is fearfully and wonderfully made. That's what I need to do. I need to pay attention to her. All the details, every little thing, I need to pay attention to those things because again, when I pay attention to those things, what I'm going to do is I'm going to learn how to serve her correctly. I'm going to yeah. fill up her love tank. Yeah, yeah. So fellas, we're gonna go back really quick to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, because this is a house of the word, so we want to lace this message with the word. It says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, it says, In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives, treat your wife with understanding as you live together. The King James version of that scripture says, because that was the New Living Translation, the King James of that version says, likewise, ye husbands, dwell or reside with them according to knowledge or understanding, giving honor unto the wife and as, the weak, as unto the weaker vessel and being heirs together of the grace of life so that your prayers be not hindered. So three parts to that. Dwell with them according to knowledge. That's a responsibility. When you wake up in the morning, a responsibility is, Lord, help me understand. Help me, help me, help me. Help me understand. Then give honor or preference as the weaker vessel and we would be heirs in this life. Because without understanding, we know that you will abuse something and that is when your prayers would be hindered. Ladies, <clears throat> Job chapter 22, verse 21, it says, and this is the King James, acquaint now thyself with him and be at peace. Now, I know that that scripture is talking about getting acquainted with God. But if Christ, if, if the husband is the representation of Christ in your house, this scripture is saying to you, acquaint now thyself with him, with your husband, wow. and be at peace. Yeah. Hallelujah. 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 What's that word acquainted mean? It means to be familiar with, to minister to. We understand what minister means. It just means servant. To be serviceable or cherish or become intimate with. So we heard 1 Peter 3, 7 all our lives and the ladies can be like, yeah, you're supposed to dwell with me according to knowledge. Yes. Well, guess what? You acquaint yourself with him. Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Be at peace. Wow. There's a level of prayer that your prayers will go to the next level when he dwells according to you. But then there's a level of peace that will come into your home when you acquaint yourself with him. Mm. That's good. We're talking about winning together in marriage by serving one another. So the biblical role of a wife, this is women, just your gender role. The first thing is you're a partner. Genesis 1, 27, 28. 
So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. You are to partner with the man that you are in covenant with. Wife is a helper to her husband. Say helper. Helper. Genesis 2.20. So Adam gave names to all cattle. Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him, comparable. Being your man's help is a huge responsibility, right? Um, and you have the ability to, we found out, peace, to bring, bring peace. But you have the ability to bring clarity to him as well. Right, if he is dealing with a cloudy view, an outlook on life, you have the ability to bring clarity. And I know this, is, this can be very familiar for a lot of us, is that your role, woman of God, can be compared to the power of what the Holy Spirit brings to all of us. Right, you're not his Holy Ghost. Look at somebody and say, you're not as Holy Ghost. You're not as Holy Ghost. Mm -mm. But just as the Holy Spirit brings comfort and comes as help to generally all mankind, your biblical role is that same level of power when it comes to the assignment that you have here. Yeah. Yep. Right? You're a helper. A biblical wife is a crown to her husband. Proverbs 12.4, an excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who causes shame is like rottenness in his bones. Mm. It's cancer. Let's talk about culture for a little bit. Y'all know I'm going to bring in a little bit of history and just what's going on because of the politic thing, whatever. Okay, so culture tell us. A husband is the head and the woman is the neck. <laughs> Culture tell you that, right? And I believe that. I'm like, the head is on top of the neck. He's first. I'm second. I mean, it, it makes sense. It makes sense to me, mm. right? But where the neck goes is where the head goes. So technically, believing that, you are in, the neck is in charge. Mm. I can't move my neck and my head go the opposite way, right? So you're not the neck. You're not the neck. You're the crown, right? And this is, I'm not, this, it's not what I said. It's not what Lakeisha said. It says it here that the wife is a crown to her husband. So some women say, Lakeisha, I got a PhD. He got a GED. Listen, I'm going to make sure that the bills are paid because I'm making the most money. <laughs> what does the scripture say? Y'all, we will add so much agony, so much pain, so much confusion because we won't follow the prescribed way of doing relationships. There is a prescription that we're to follow to be able to have healthy relationships and to win in relationships. Follow the prescribed order. Follow the prescription. And for the woman who's thinking, I know it's nobody in here, but maybe online. For the woman who was thinking that, okay, well, both of us, we're both really smart. Mm -hmm. You know, we both make about the same amount of money. So both of us are leading. Both of us are, hey, we're both. 
the head. Like, we don't have this going on. We, we right here together. Two heads is a monster. Stop it. Mm. Follow the prescribed way of doing relationships or you're going to fail. If you don't follow the word, your relationship will fail. There, I, I'm not going to be cute about it and be trying to be gentle about it. Your relationship will fail. And we wonder why. We wonder, we, we confuse. We go to our pastors. We go to counselors. We go to therapists. Well, why ain't it working? Because you're not following the prescribed way of living out your relationship. It's really not that hard. Be obedient. It's not that hard. Mm. So some of the things that we have added to our lives, like adultery, lying, right? The things that we've added to our lives and our relationships is because we wanted to do it our way. That's what it is. And when you go to your therapist, say, I'm here because I wanted to do it my way. That's, what you, that's the first thing that you should say. Not because, well, she couldn't get it right, he couldn't get it right, now I'm confused, now I'm disappointed, now I don't know what else is going to happen. You're there because you wanted to do it your way. So thinking about these crowns, thinking about the crowns, right? So our pastor, he just finished an incredible series called What's Next? And in that series, he talked about heaven and he talked about hell. Woo! So he, when he was talking about heaven, he shared with us that there are five heavenly crowns mentioned in the New Testament. And I'm going to make this short. But there are five crowns waiting for us as believers. And the word is saying that woman of God, you are a crown. You are a crown. So think about that. Can we should we be actually walking out with the crowns that we're to receive in heaven, what our spouse is to receive in heaven? Should we have that be an experience that he has here on earth? Should, should he be experiencing the crowns, the heavenly crowns here living with you, woman of God? The crown of rejoicing. Rejoice with him. Rejoice with him. Don't be jealous and be competitive. You're to rejoice. That's one of the crowns, the crown of life, the crown of glory, the crown of righteousness, the imperishable crown. All of those, make those manifest here in your home because you are a crown mm. to your husband. Amen? Amen? Speak life over him. Be speaking death. You ain't going to be nothing. Well, okay. That's what's going to happen. He's not going to be anything. Wife is to submit. Say submit. Submit. Say submit to her husband, not her boyfriend. Not the one you're living with if he's not your husband. No. 1 Peter 3.1. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some, ooh, Jesus, do not obey the word, they, without a word, from you criticizing them, from you being mean, from you not speaking the word, they, without a word from you, may be won by the conduct of their wives. If you're going to say something, say the right thing in all of your relationships. Some of us don't do very well in our same-sex relationships because we're not speaking life into them. Stop gossiping about them. If they come to you and they tell you something, stop. If your woman of God tells you something in confidence, don't go telling nobody else. Like, you're ruining your relationships. Ephesians 5, 22, 24. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. 
Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. So the word submission from the Greek is hupotasso, <laughs> hupotasso. Pastor, okay, all right. So it's a military term, y'all, okay? It's a military term and it means to arrange in order under. Now, sometimes it's difficult for us to perceive the difference between submission and obedience. There, there is a difference, though. Obey simply means to follow a command, okay? Submit means to yield or defer out of respect. Mm-hmm. Can affection, persuasion. So when I think about what it means for us to submit, um, one of the vehicles that I drive is an SUV that is it's bigger. He drives another vehicle that's like a sedan. So no matter what, if I don't yield, if we're in traffic, like following the traffic laws, even though my car is bigger, if I don't yield to him, we're going to get in an accident. And that's similar to how our relationships are. You may have the PhD, you may have the bigger car, you may have whatever it is extra that God has given to you, but if you don't yield to him, to the man that you're in covenant with, okay, then you're gonna get in an accident. Mm. A wife is a builder. A wife is a builder of her home. Proverbs 14.1, the wise woman builds her house, but the foolish pulls it down with her hands. Hey, listen here. A wise woman builds her home, Mm -hmm. not her career. It says her home, her home, not her career. So God is not impressed with your PhD. He's not, he's not impressed with how many degrees you're going back to school and you're 72. He's not impressed about it. He doesn't care about that. You're called to be a builder of your home. Mm-hmm. So if getting extra degrees is going to become where you're building your home with that, okay. But if it's not, if it's for you to be a boss chick, that's not biblical. That's not what the Bible says. It's not. Firecracker. Oh, you just gonna drop it. Okay. <laughs> I was caught up. So we got a little bit more time to go here. So Lakeisha's the firecracker. I'm the focus, just like Pastor Keith and Pastor. I'm I'm the <laughs> so, you know, Lakeisha, you know, she was sharing those, those roles for a wife and uh, talked about submit, builder, crown, helper, or partner. I just want to remind and reiterate, you know, that we, we, we hear in the scripture that Christ is the head of the church. The husband is the head of the wife. But John chapter 14 says that the Holy Spirit is a helper, right? We want to reiterate, you're a help meet. So the same qualities that the Holy Spirit has is what you are. The Amplified talks about he's an intercessor, an advocate, a strengthener, a standby, a helper. You are all of those things as well. When you, when you forget who you are, and what value you bring to the relationship. Go back to John chapter 14, verse 26, in the Amplified, and put those confessions in front of you. That's who you are. That's your mirror, wives. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's get to some more understanding. I'm going to do this quick. Get to some more understanding because that is what we are looking to do when it comes to how do I serve? How do I kick the enemy out of my marriage? How do I kick the enemy out of my relationships? How to serve? And it's based on understanding. Because 
A husband is wired a certain way, just the same way as a wife is wired a certain way. <clears throat> a lot of times in marriage, we can wonder, like, man, my husband just doesn't move fast. He's always taking his time with decisions. <sighs> What is going on? We, we need to get something done. You taking too long, and I'm about to make the decision for you. We know that's the truth. Raise a finger if you believe it. Yeah, yeah okay. Yep, I see fingers. Yep, yep. We see fingers in the house. <laughs> but then on the other side of that, wives move too fast. They always going and doing and do this like, hey, babe, this is what I'm going to do. And she gone. She done ran three miles already. Hold on. We still need to pray. What you, give me a minute. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me get comfortable with the decision that I'm making. I need to talk to God and get some peace up in here. You gone. And there's frustration on both sides. There's the frustration for the wife. She feels like he's lazy. She feels like he's dumb a little bit. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> just a little bit. Just a, just a little smidget. But, here, but here's the thing. The truth of the matter is, she thinking it, but she ain't going to say it. Uh-oh. Wow. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then you, 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 the husband would say, my wife is so emotional. I wish she would calm down. You can't say that, right? You're you, you going to be a world of trouble if you say that. One of the words that most women hate is relax. Ooh, don't say that. Jesus, that, that causes a monster to come about. Don't you tell me to relax. <laughs> Give me a finger if I'm telling the truth. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> My man gave me 10 fingers. It's the truth, boy. <laughs> but here's the thing. So we're trying to get some understanding this weekend. And one of the things that we ask a lot of times in marriage is, help me understand my husband. Yeah. Help me understand my wife. I just don't get them. Okay. I believe that the Lord has given me some little, little bit of insight to help provide clarity to this. Because a lot of times, or not a lot, the thing is, is that your spouse is wired a certain way when God created them. So they are who they are because that's how God wired them. When God created the man. He created him out of the space of Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, my provider. What does that look like? He is very tunnel vision. The need is in front of him. He meets the need. That's good. Yeah. He's very focused on just the need mm. until there's a moment where another need comes up. He focuses on the need until it's completed. He has the characteristics of Je Jehovah Jireh that's primary for him. That's why he seems a little slow because it's like, I can't work on the three other things you're telling me to work on. I'm trying to focus on the need right now. Mm -hmm. Grab that. Yeah, yeah. Get that. Yeah. You will, put, you will take so much pressure off yourself to get angry at your husband because this is how God created him. He can't get rid of it. Mm. He's going to meet the need as the need comes. Focused, very tunnel vision. And ladies can hate tunnel vision because it's like there's so much more that's happening that you can do. It's like, look, I can't. Mm -hmm. I can only focus on the need at hand. Here we go. Wives, 
or husbands. Ah, Lord, help me understand my wife. Help me understand why she's always doing and going. When God created her, God created her from the characteristic of El Shaddai, the multi-breasted one. And I'm not just talking about because the anatomy of a woman is the fact that she has breast. Which that's not where I'm going with this. But God created her from the space of being a nurturer that can meet needs all the time. She cares about everything. Her mind is everywhere. She knows where that sock, did you talking about you need a tie? That tie is actually right up under the drawer. And it's like, babe, how do you know that? I just know she pays attention. That's how God wired her. So when you get frustrated with you always doing, you always going, she, she, that's, that's, that's how she's fit. That's how she's created. That's how she's built. She can't do it any other way. She can't just focus on one thing. She can think about 10 different things at once and take care of them all, all at once. Can I get a finger if I'm telling the truth? Amen. We get to spirit fingers up in here. Yes, sir. So that, yeah. So meditate on that. Think about that. Yeah. Yeah. My husband is so tunnel vision. Jehovah Jireh. My my wife is always at something, doing something. Think about something, thinking about something. She's asked me about the kids. We talking about something and her mind just goes over here like, hey, you know. We need to do this. This morning, (laughs) Lakeisha, I'm I'm trying to prepare and get quiet before the Lord and everything. And she hit me with, you know, CJ needs to go to the uh, store to get such and such. And I'm like, babe, I'm trying to get the message. (laughs) The message. That's where I'm focused because I come from Jehovah Jireh. She sees everything, thinks about everything everything because she comes from El Shaddai. Amen. Does that help a little bit? Yeah. We winning together. We winning together. Yes. We walking in power. Walking in power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. So amen. Okay. Well, yeah, I think it's four minutes left. Pastor Bradley. Is that, is that four minutes for us or for the whole thing? Okay, praise God. Okay. Okay. Uh, yes, okay. Sir. Okay. Okay, so we're closing because we got four minutes. So 2 Samuel chapter 11, it's the story of David. 2 Samuel chapter 11. We know the story of David, him being a powerful man. Um, he was a comeback king, a young man and his brothers. He was a young man and his brothers hated him. But he has this big story, right? And it's a, it's a pretty rough story. But it didn't matter because God had his eye on him. And he has this amazing story where he goes from shepherd to warrior. He kills Goliath. And then he goes from being a warrior to serving the king. Then eventually he begins to lead the nation. So we land here, though, in the story where David has everything. And when you have everything, like the anointing and favor from God, you don't need anything else. Because when you have the anointing, and you have the favor of God, everything else follows, right? So David is the king. Chapter Mm 2. No, chapter 11. David, king, in the springtime, at a time when kings go off to war. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. But David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam. 
and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. He actually sends for her and then sleeps with her and she becomes pregnant. We come to the moment where we ask David, what are you doing on the balcony? Mm -hmm. This scripture says in the springtime when kings go off to war, was David a king? Why wasn't he off to war? Where was David? He was on the balcony. And so the, the truth is, the only way we can stay true to our covenant and to our commitments is if we are in the battle. Amen. To win. You're not a winner if you didn't go to the battle. You're not a winner if you're on the balcony and you're walking in disobedience and allowing Satan to derail the plan of God, to sabotage your relationships, to assassinate your marriage. You're not winning if you're not in the battle. Stay connected. Stay in the battle. Mm -hmm. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. A and a man. Amen. Amen. Amen.